It's Coin Talk. Um, There's Peppa Pig yeah. playing in the background. I screwed up the original recording of this introduction. Jay's mic is broken. That means it's time for another show. Let's play that music. This episode of Coin Talk was taped Friday, April 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Bitcoin price index was $7,054. Jay! What's up? Jay, I feel like we could set off to do a show about just about anything, and it would end up being about shitcoins. Yeah, yeah. I I actually... Yeah, or shitcoin-related topics. Yeah, my, my new shitcoin-related thing has been just you know, making dumb bets in the stock market again. Is that shitcoin related or is that like too normy for a shitcoin related? Well, okay, let, this is this was actually on my list of topics. And since you bring it up, for people listening, this, this show used to be about us losing money on um, obviously scam crypto investments. So you might be offended to hear us discussing the gambling opportunities of the pandemic this is your time to uh, switch the podcast. So <laughs> you're not going to even give us like a, but we're not bad guys thing. You're just going to give us ever, like a, ever just you're judge give us like a, <laughs> actually we are bad guys and you don't have, I think <laughs> it's, it's the fact that we're clearly going to lose money on these investments washes clean any ethical uh, issues. Okay. Yeah. And that we do it with eyes wide open. Every time that we have ever tried to, get smart we have failed so i assume that in this endeavor we would fail too but now that a few of the um the most degenerate uh gambling opportunities of course sports are off the table and i don't even think shitcoin gambling is really going on very much i haven't like heard about any like surging um you know uh very low cap crypto opportunities so where is the degenerate money going right now? Um, I don't know if it's going anywhere, honestly. Um, you would, I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be massive financial changes that come out of this and the way that people invest their money and the way that institutions invest their money. But all of that is much too heavy and depressing to think about, you know, um, and certainly beyond the grasp of our understanding and well, maybe not understanding, but at least in the grasp of our expertise. And so, Jay, something being beyond the grasp of your expertise has never stopped you from gambling on it. That's true. But Case I in point say, is I the don't have, Premier League. The thing I'm talking about is like, you know, giant real estate grabs of vacant commercial oh, space that's okay. been there for long periods of time. The definition no, I'm talking about of small something I can do on the internet and the like while my where, daughter's napping. Yeah, yeah, no, these are not the, those are the things that I'm talking about. And those are things that I neither have the desire, you know, nor the ability or nor the capital to do. Um, I don't know, you know, like, uh, there's a, I, 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 I am, I don't think anyone has written anything about this, but just anecdotally, right? Amongst the people that I know who many people to, have been saying, many people have been saying in my gambling groups that, um, you know, they have sort of gone into, uh they're look it's it's sort of this tsunami you know like where uh you are under a lot of stress you are worried about your finances like everybody else is in this country 
you have a lot of free time now. Um, even if you are like you and I both still working and have a small child, like there are idle moments where you just kind of want to shut off your brain from all the bad news and you just want to do something kind of degenerate. Sure. And for people like that who are inclined to do that, I think that there's been a large uptick in, in day trading, you know, like uh, options and puts and the sort of wild market that everybody is watching go up and down, you know, like the S&P can go down 2% in a day, which, you know, in most pre-coronavirus times would set off all sorts of headlines. Um, and now it's just kind of like, oh, that wasn't so bad, you know? So uh, I think there has been a lot of degenerate day trading. I mean, Dave Portnoy, who is the founder of Barstool Sports, does like a thing every morning where he's, 9.30 just starts day trading on stream. Um, and I think that uh, that is sort of reflective of the, you know, the mindset of, uh, of, uh, of degenerate gamblers right now. But, you know, like the one thing that isn't happening, like we mentioned is like, I don't know, I, do you see a lot of activity in the Bitcoin markets? Like not even just like shit coins, but in Bitcoin in general? Well, CZ was saying that like, even though prices are obviously below 10,000 uh, where they're seeing volume that is far, far, far higher than it was the last time we we're at this price point. So that's certainly like worth uh, keeping an eye on. But where I was actually wondering if uh, people were uh, degening out and uh, it's, it, it's possible uh, uh, this is not even a thing, but there's a, a company called uh I think it's Galed Sciences. Gilead, that, yeah. Yeah, Gilead Sciences. Yeah. Uh, favorable news came out about a potential um, COVID uh, treat, dr a drug to treat COVID that they make. Yeah. And I think it was up about 18% in uh, uh, pre-trading. And uh, because my brain only has one track, it kind of reminded of me of when we were first investing in altcoins. <laughs> where it's like there's very little actual information available. There's yeah. basically one article that says this is promising, but it needs more testing. So you're like already going into a very strange corner of the internet if you want to uh, validate any hypothesis like this. And probably the, uh, the uh, people who made money on that will just be the people who were holding it when this news came out. But I wonder if there are people playing the pharmaceutical markets um, in relation to the various uh, vaccines and drugs that may come out to treat COVID. Okay, well, let me let me clear up a few things here because this is something that I strangely do know a little bit about. So, like, uh, remdesivir is the name of the drug, right? And yes. Gilead is like a very big pharmaceutical company. It's actually based out here in the Bay Area. And uh, their last claim to notoriety was they uh, developed a hep C drug. Do you remember this? Uh, it happened a few years ago. It was a hepatitis drug, and it was it basically got rid of hepatitis. It was a miracle drug, and they charged seventy to eighty thousand dollars for treatment. Um, and I do not very, recall this. It became very controversial, and so Gilead is sort of like one of these. I mean, like all the drugs they make are pretty effective and you know they have the best scientists and sort of like you a, know our motherfucking record we're gilead <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> they're, they're kind of like the i don't know they're like the i, I, don't, I don't even know the right like it's like the 
Gucci of pharma or something like that, or, you know, like Apple maybe 10 years ago or something where it's like, so, oh, so an 18% jump in the Gilead stock prices is a lot of money. Oh, it's uh, tons of money. I mean, it's billions of dollars in market cap. And so, um, remdesivir was something that was, uh, developed during Ebola and it was, it's an antiviral medication and it's basically a catch-all type of thing. But the problem that we have with these sort of pandemic type, uh, not we, because I am not part of the pharmaceutical industry, but the problem that <laughs> pharmaceutical companies have with developing uh, medication that deals with pandemics is that it eventually is a money loser because pandemics don't last forever. You know, like you make your money, uh... as, a, you make your money as a pharmaceutical company by, you know, like, making something that treats heartburn for example you know and people have to just keep going back to to use it because the symptoms are mild and they're recurring and you, the side effects are non-existent or very low and so you can just keep using it uh something like ebola doesn't last very long you know like sars one right. didn't last very long so uh even with something like coronavirus where you have you know millions of people who are infected um you don't you have a short burst period to make money you know, and so that's why they always shelve these things. So like remdesivir was made, has been around for a while. It hasn't gone through trials because by the time they're going to do it with Ebola, Ebola is largely gone. Um, mm -hmm. So when the news about, uh, you know, when coronavirus first started coming out, people did think that remdesivir was going to be a promising solution and so Gilead stack did go up quite a bit for that but they didn't really do publicized clinical trials they certainly didn't have the president coming out and saying you know remdesivir although he did mention it but he didn't you know it's not like he did with hydroxychloroquine um he's covering his basis mentioning all of the yeah, possible yeah, he's solutions just mentioning to them the all puzzle. So get credit for them later <laughs> um but yeah yesterday a uh report came out and you know it was interesting because uh Gilead basically was doing trials in China, but they canceled the trials because they found that the information um, wasn't really to their liking. Not in that it wasn't going well, but that it was hard for them to control like what they knew. And so what they did instead was that they gave out a whole bunch of uh, doses to American hospitals to do sort of a large fly by the seat of the pants trial. And yesterday, like, you know, and I would say that, like, look, everybody who's very skeptical of this is probably right to be skeptical of it. But the University of Chicago, uh, one of the doctors there came out and said that it had been, like, pretty effective. And uh, people are very desperate to, um, people are very desperate to uh, have any good news, you know. And this is, as, as I said, like, a very, very hot, cool company. And far as pharma goes you know like not that any of the companies should be called hot or cool but you know it is like the one of the standard bearers for like a place where people would trust that their medication the beats was. are sick <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's like you remember like asap bob was really big it's like that it's like very it's very cool and people like it so um would it be fair to say that when they did that trial in the american hospitals that's an example of uh Pharmaceutical airdrop festival. <laughs> yes, the, the remdesivir airdrop. Um, that's basically what it was. They gave out a lot of doses, and they have a lot produced under the idea that this will probably be successful. 
And yeah, the news yesterday was good. It's not complete. It's not like a randomized trial with like a placebo, placebo arm or anything like that that would give it, you know, a lot of credibility. And you can see a lot of scientists like bickering back and forth about whether or not this should be trusted. But it was the first good news in quite a while. And I don't know, like, I guess it boosted up Gilead stock prices. Uh, to answer your actual question, though, about like, is there pharmaceutical gains? Uh, I don't know, because, you know, like, even if remdesivir is really, uh, I please don't ask me how I know so much about this, but, or like, know this, uh, remdesivir Do you is, work for Gilead? <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> I would like to present our new sponsor on the show is Gilead Sciences. Of- hit, hit me with your addresses. I'm going to airdrop some remdesivir <laughs> on the first 100 listeners. Yeah. Um, my sense of this is that uh, Gilead is still not going to make much money off of remdesivir, even if it is effective. And so maybe a 20% jump in market cap doesn't make sense. But I would say long term in pharma, this is going to, if, if pharma does solve and mitigate a lot of these deaths, that it's bullish for pharma, obviously, you know, like they can be like, we saved you again. Um, and that a lot of the regulations, a lot of the sort of, you know, people who are justifiably mad at the pharma industry all the time that a lot of those complaints will kind of be shushed after this don't you think like that that's my sense of it if you are thinking about um about you know making investments in these horrible times well so to follow up on the 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 question about gilead um you brought up the idea that there's not really money in solving an international pandemic like you'd be better off curing male pattern baldness um Um, if that drug was one you had to take the rest of your life to get hair that's always when i think of pharmaceutical moonshots it's always um this grows your hair back and it really works you know or like you know like uh or like you know like uh this lowers your uh cholesterol like that's those are the sure. things that make tons of money yeah boner like, pills. a lot of people have it yeah, always 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 gonna be cash and checks with the boner pills <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but um, something like remdesivir not only do, might it not work but even if it does work it's a uh, a single or a double not a home run should we be offering some sort of a national bounty system to incentivize what would be economically the most important <clears throat> drug breakthrough of the century, probably if someone were able to come up with it quickly, like, like, uh, you know, playing the, uh, uh, uh libertarian <laughs> economics, uh, professor, why don't, why aren't <laughs> we, why aren't we incentivizing today, this? Yeah. Um, I don't think that the government has enough money to incentivize a company nor would the companies trust that the adjudication of that bounty system would be done in a way that would benefit them long-term. You know? You're saying um, we need to organize it through smart contracts. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be an Ethereum-based <laughs> market. <laughs> um, the winner gets paid 40,000 uh, you know, ZRXs, and, uh, yeah, and then uh, they, that way they can facilitate interlayer communication between the top layer of their whatever and the bottom layer. I don't even remember what these things did. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, you're, what you're seeing is sort of the playing out of, of libertarian free market 
economics in this sense, right? Like, uh, um, but, 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 like but to put it a different way, let's say that every three months that people shelter in place costs a, a trillion dollars or something like that. Sir, way more than that, but yeah. What, way more than that. But like, wouldn't it be worth like staking some of that money <laughs> to anyone who can stop that situation from happening? Um, yeah, I, I do think that what will end up happening with this is that there will be a few things that will work to help save a lot of people's lives. You know, um, it seems like these cytokine storms that are happening when people's uh, immune system is essentially killing them is a huge problem. And that is not something that remdesivir directly addresses, you know, um, and that how, has... How do you know so much about remdesivir? <laughs> are you like I, moonlighting as a doctor i spent like nine hours a day reading about this stuff i don't know i tried to do this thing where i shut my brain off from it you know but i i just read all these dumb forums um about it uh mostly on reddit but they put all the papers out you know so you can read all the papers um, the remdesivir thing, though, it was, you know, yesterday, I, I do have some friends who are suspicious of what happened yesterday in terms of the announcement, because it was like basically a video that a doctor at University of Chicago put out. Like, there's no study attached to it, you know, and it, then it's um, just like an altcoin pump. Yeah, yeah no, seriously. it's like a guy publishes like a review of the coin on his <laughs> YouTube channel. And it's like, I don't know, it's yeah. being pretty heavily reviewed. Yeah, they say like, look, I paid for like, <laughs> 15 you know like uh i resolved like 15 outstanding uh transactions in 0.4 seconds like that's kind of what it was like you know like it was i i don't think we have any reason to not trust a doctor at the university of chicago for you know but uh it was done in a way where it wasn't accompanied by the actual uh by the actual like parts the data that they had collected and like everyone had pointed out it wasn't like done in a randomized uh way with like a placebo arm or anything like that and um gilead was asked for a comment about it and they said uh i think their quote was basically something like we are very much looking forward to other data uh to seeing all the data you know so they they like both teams played hard (laughs) 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 so uh, many have many people have said this drug is dope but we'll let you judge for yourself yeah we are not going to say anything about it and then they're Stock price shot up by twenty percent, which you know is is uh is interesting. Um, but yeah, what you're basically arguing for, Aaron, I think is what I and a lot of people do think should happen, which is that there needs to be some form of nationalization of these pharmaceutical companies. You know, one of the things that Gilead did early in the game, and this will prove that I am not a Gilead. Uh, you know that I have not been <laughs> that I have not been bought sir, by Gilead, sir. That... I am an independent researcher <laughs> who has paid a fee for my research, <laughs> sir. Um, uh, they uh, they tried to get um, this clause that allows that extends the patent that you have so that people can't produce generics. You know, uh, and uh, they were successful and then everyone got super mad for right good reason you know because they're basically saying like this is ours forever and we don't have to do anything uh and nobody else can make it um you know practically speaking like it wouldn't have mattered because like you know like we're not going to be dealing with this for like 15 years you know so uh but uh they pulled that and they said uh psych we're not doing that anymore 
Yeah, it would be nice if uh, after Ebola, instead of letting uh, Gilead just be like, well, we're not doing that anymore because there's no profit in it, if somebody had just finished it, you know, and done trials and um, and it had been ready. But, you know, that's not how our system works. Uh, we These places respond to, pro, you know, markets that open up, and this is a huge market that opened up, but it is not a particularly deep market that opened up. And so... Um, while they have shown a lot of signs of being fully committed to it, it's nothing like having like every single pharmaceutical, you know, expert in the entire nation working on this thing at the same time. That's not happening. Wow. I uh, had no idea Jay knew so much about remdesivir when I brought it up. <laughs> you never know where know. the show will go. Um, well, okay. Well, so I, I have a question for you then, which is, uh, you know, very related because I wanted, you know, the, the, the core of Bitcoin, and I would not say that we discussed this last week, but the core of Satoshi is not this, but the core of Bitcoin culture now is this uh, Austrian school economics, right? That sure. we, uh, the market will solve everything. We shouldn't have any sort of regulations. We shouldn't tell anyone what to do. We shouldn't ever think about things in terms of the common good as dictated by like a leader or dictated by the people that in fact people you know will eventually do things to solve problems right um if, if the market we, if the market is willing we currently have a massive testing problem uh in this country and testing is not going up at all nobody seems to be able to figure this out the problem in large part seems to be that nobody we don't have enough like long q-tips to stab into people's <laughs> brains which makes no sense to anyone you know but we can't produce those fast enough and uh this is going to lead to, you know, like a prolonging of the shutting down the economy and every single economic factor, people going broke, uh, workforces not being able to mobilize, homes going into foreclosure, all those things are going to be worse with every single day that passes that we're in lockdown. We can't get out of lockdown without doing more testing. Germany on May 1st is going to go back out and, you know, like they're going to go back to work. Schools are going to reopen because they were able to do a lot of testing. Like, why, why do you think some billionaire hasn't created a gigantic testing network at this point? Well, it's an interesting question because when COVID was beginning and we were having so much trouble cooperating, um, first as nations with other nations and yeah. then as states within that, within this nation, and then with even tiny pockets and municipalities within those states, like uh, uh, the cohesion of the unit has broken down at every level. And I think mm -hmm. part of that is that we as a species have advanced a lot in terms of communications and uh, speed of travel. We haven't really like created apparatus for co cooperation um, beyond, uh, you know, a few things, I guess, like the United Nations, you could say, or the WHO would even be an example. <laughs> Which we are but, not doing anywhere yet. Exactly. The, those, institu those institutional solutions, I think, are um, shrinking. And, and their, their um, power is far less than it was even 25 years ago, I, I think, yeah. as people would say. Um, so how do we cooperate? And Bitcoin... Uh, at least, you know, in its primal essence offers this methodology 
for group cooperation among suspicious paranoid people who would never cooperate with each other. It's like, yeah. or it's it like, almost like, go ahead. It like eliminates the need for them to cooperate. Exactly. It's a bunch yeah. of guys who you would hate to play board games with because they're just <laughs> dicks who are like, we're such dicks that we just assume anyone given the chance would rip someone else off. So how can we create a decentralized system where that's impossible? And yeah. therefore they created what I think is truly a uh, revolutionary and novel idea for how uh, parties that are inherently warring can cooperate with each other. So you would think that these people were maybe going to be at the forefront of us learning how to cooperate as a species. Unfortunately, I don't really see anything like that happening. Like, I don't, I don't think we like, maybe you could say this stuff isn't mature enough and that like some 23rd century, uh, like Ethereum auger market would allow us all to pay in a billion dollars for the person who comes up with a, uh, testing system that puts people back out or a drug as we described, um, those ideas are there, but the, none of those ideas really are in practice yet. Yeah, I guess I just think about it in the in the form of like, all right, we have a federal government that refuses to do anything right now, you know, to a point where it seems like maybe the federal government is, you know, a bad idea. We have states that are <laughs> Whoa, combining the takes efforts. are hot today. <laughs> well, we talked about Seattle, California, but now we have like, uh, you know, like oh, yeah. we have like the Confederation of the Northeast States and then Minnesota. I uh, think we got to take a victory lap. We, Illinois. we did call that on we last did week's call show. That. Yeah, yeah, we did say that there would be like six nation states within the United States. We, and that, We still uh, got it. We still got the a, touch. Yeah, Colorado would... The biggest thing is I feel like Colorado probably wants to join Seattle, California. You know, it's, I'm sure Las Vegas does too. And we're just going to have to figure all that out in the future. I would take Colorado and Las Vegas, obviously, into Seattle, California. But um, yeah, the, the, um, you have all this sort of unprecedented stuff happening. And um, the one thing that isn't happening, and look, I didn't expect this really to happen, but I sort of expected one of them to step up, is that like outside of Bill Gates building factories to build, you know, uh, vaccines, what we don't have is like this sort of testing. And what's curious to me is that if you only think about things in one's best interest, which is what sort of Bitcoin and Austrian school economics teaches you to do, right? Um, and this is, again, this is not something that you or I really believe in, or actually I would say that we incredibly don't believe in it um that everything should be determined this way but like let's say you're Anne Rand, you know <laughs> um like if you're jeff bezos or something like that like having uh 30 of the united states be unemployed and broke is bad for business right like it's bad for you um, i mean i think amazon be, stock has actually done pretty well no it has been going up more. it has been yeah. going up but like uh you know like if you are uh bill gates if you're any of these billionaires like having 30 percent unemployment is most likely bad for most of you like that's so why not put in an investment to try and make it so that the american workforce goes back to work you know like i just don't understand it wouldn't be that expensive you know like you would get help from states you would probably get no help from the federal government but even if you were doing it locally to affect your own workforce and your own local economy like i don't understand 
how that hasn't happened, except for the very obvious answer, which is like, these guys don't give a shit and they were never going to do that anyway. But I think but, it's been a big, it's been a big loss for Austrian school economics that that hasn't happened. I mean, I the do think... The private sector has not solved. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting you bring up Bezos because I think the one of the answers to your question is that people don't really know how to solve this problem. Uh, most of the companies that uh, have produced the billionaires that you're speaking of are not very good at making physical objects. Uh, they are uh, great at software. You know, when I think of the Googles, et cetera, I guess you could say Apple is a, is a kind of a hardware company. Apple and Amazon are really like the hardware based companies that have yeah. these supply chains. But I don't know. There, there's also probably a reluctance on some level to take it on or to at least call your shot that you're going to take it on, uh, knowing that it's a very thorny, uh, gigantic problem. Like even yeah, the Google drive through testing thing, which Trump brought out, not only turned out to be vaporware, it wasn't like Google was like, we weren't planning on doing that, but fuck it. We're going to like, like figure it out for the whole country. They just kept doing the barrier pilot program that had already been planned. Yeah. And it didn't even work. I mean, like the drive-through testing has not increased in any sort of way. I don't think it's that difficult of a problem like to solve because you have models for it. You know, you have one in South Korea, you have one in Germany, you know, like yeah. it's, it's things that have already happened that have empirically worked. And so why is it so difficult? I mean, I don't, uh, in turn, I, I agree that Amazon doesn't have too much expertise in making things, but they certainly have expertise in infrastructure, you know, and getting things to people and getting people to put things in to somebody else, you know, like that's no, what they I'm, are. I mean, and, and so, Amazon does have experience. I mean, they make a lot of their own products now. Like, and they don't even necessarily have to make the test. They just have to figure out what the distribution system for all this mass testing would be. I know that Apple and Google like launched something where they're going to try and do a test and trace thing. I'm, you know, I feel like that probably will go the way of the Google thing that Trump brought up that they didn't even know he was going to bring up. I, I, I just, I, I guess it's just like, I don't, I'm not saying this out of a sense of disappointment that I felt like they were going to do this, but I do think that it is telling that they have not done this. I mean, we're now two months into this, you know, and uh, the only, I don't know, outside of Bill Gates, who keeps saying, I told you so, and Jack Dorsey, who has given away a ton of his money. <laughs> Did you notice that? He like, yeah. He, yeah. Um, the billionaire class hasn't really stepped up. And I, I do think that, look, we can bash billionaires all we want, but I think it is also an indictment on sort of the Austrian school economics, free market ideas that were behind a lot of the Bitcoin maximalism. Well, I mean, the cynical take here would be that this isn't actually so bad for a lot of their businesses and that uh, a lot of the stimulus money is going to flow not to individuals, but is going to flow to companies and therefore... Um, from an Austrian school sense, they aren't heavily incentivized um, to solve this problem. Uh, I know, but they shouldn't protect. take government money. Uh, Top Dog, which I know you know about, the uh, same Berkeley hot dog libertarian hot dog recipe. I guess I said everything I know about libertarianism I read on the wall of Top Dog. That's true. Did you see that story where they aren't taking, um, they're not going to take small business loans and they're going to shut it. It's a respectable stance. 
It's a respectable stance. If you've been, if you've been riding the way they have for the last uh, 25 years, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta stick, stick with the brand. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I actually respected that quite a bit. They just said, um, they basically said, look, uh, we could take this money, but uh, look, <laughs> we've been saying this stuff for a long time, and uh, we're going to just have to live with this one. <laughs> and I was like, well, respect. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I wanted to ask you something. So we, we talked last week about how there's been this great difficulty in actually giving people the $1,200 that the government is trying to give them. And yep. it doesn't seem like even compared to the uh, making really not long nasal swabs, this really doesn't seem like that hard a problem. Like this really seems like the U S government should be able to give money to Americans. And um, one of the things that I believe was in the original stimulus bill, and then I think was taken out of it uh, was a plan for the digital dollar, which is something that we have talked about, uh, over time on this show, um, it's sort of been hovering in the background of what's going on in Washington. Um, I don't totally understand what it is. Uh, people in Congress definitely don't totally understand what it is, um, mm-hmm. but it's being talked about. And I think it's sort of being almost talked more expansively now to where, you know, once you have the digital dollar and you want to give digital dollars to real citizens, you probably have to give them some sort of a U.S. bank account, like a government bank account, um, which is opening up a gazillion cans of worms. But I was wondering, like, what you think of the digital dollar uh, proposal and what you would think. I mean, this is the one of the great reversals of what could come of crypto Uh, instead of banking the unbanked by giving everyone anonymous uh, Monero wallets we might be banking the unbanked by giving everyone their own digital dollar wallet. Uh, I think that's probably a bad idea. You know, um, what, what do you think is the big advantage from what we have right now, which is essentially. Well, the government has to pay people. There's the only way the government can stimulate the American economy is basically by doing a, a, a middleman bounce through business. Yeah. So you, that are, seems you like a problem. This, are you arguing this is like the best way to do like a UBI then? I think it's the best way to grease the skids uh, towards what is now being called UBI and could take many forms. I don't think it necessarily has to be a monthly check, but we, we see a situation right now uh, where it's needed. Um, I think that if we go to that system, which I feel very conflicted about, then yes, I think that makes much more sense. You know, now I don't know if I'd want to live in a country with that system, but I don't, and I don't think we're quite at the point where we have to say that that is going to be the future. But um, I think that if that is the reality where most people are living off of, uh, you know, money directly from the government, you know, sort of like Andrew Yang's uh, vision bit large where a lot of us are unemployed where things like the service industry where the restaurant industry don't exist anymore in addition to all the jobs that are being taken by automation 
and in a world where like this thing gets worse and you know it becomes a daily part of our lives and people can't work say in meatpacking industries anymore and they uh do you see the big outbreak in like south dakota the meat processing plant like let's say all those jobs get automated too and yeah i think that the digital dollar works in that world i just (laughs) just think it's a very dark world well i guess what i'm saying is why like why does it have to be dependent on uh a doom scenario like the ability like we have a problem right now in that most of the tax incentives in this country and most of the money that the government is either giving people or giving people in the sense of taxes that are being uh, looked the other way on are uh, big companies because big companies the government has very easy ways of doing business with them yeah the government clearly can't do business with individuals and i guess what i'm saying is that even if you don't go into the full doom scenario let's just say people are more working for themselves like the idea of uh benefits from a company are are on the decline um Mm -hmm. maybe you do want a more direct relationship with the government it's always been a little weird the uh, relationship you're supposed to have with your employer which usually does include a direct deposit bank account um maybe as we move away from sort of lifetime at one company employment it does make sense to privatize some of those systems now it's weird to say privatize when i'm talking about well, you're government not, you're, yeah, bank you're accounts, national you're nationalizing yeah nationalizing yeah. but yeah. taking them away from private companies and putting them in the hands of, of some kind of government and i think if you sort of were concerned about the 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 after the the possible negative repercussions of that they're massive um but i i guess i see it as a growing hole that we have to do something about yeah no i i don't i think you'd find a lot of sympathizers and you know the left uh especially the hard left you know, of, uh with what you're talking about because it also extends to healthcare. you know it's it extends to naturalizing a whole bunch of things nationalizing for example like the housing market you know um and i guess all of that i still think uh assumes a amount of government control that i think is going to be make me personally uncomfortable but at the same time seeing everything fail for the last two months has made me wonder i don't know like i think i've never been more more open to the possibility of like an enlightened authoritarian leader. (laughs) I think a lot of people feel that way, you know, Um, just like make it competent and make sure my payments get there on time. So Um, many of, so many of our listeners just like hurled their phone across the room. (laughs) Wait, I'm not the one who brought this up. You're the one who brought this up as an idea. I'm saying like, I I like three months ago, I'd have been like, you're crazy. And now I'm like, I don't know. It would be nice to know, even if I, qualify for this $1,200 stimulus check, which I have no idea if I do or not, you know? Well, Um, one thing that Joe Weisenthal, um, our uh, friend, um, I think this was in his newsletter a couple days ago. So like the like knee jerk, um, uh, like New York post story about the stimulus is basically like people are buying like dildos and lube with their stimulus money. Yeah. And, the logical next step of the digital dollar, digital bank account uh, is that money becomes 
uh, less fungible than it currently is. And you start saying, hey, here's your $1,200 stimulus check. Um, like no porn, uh, like this should, uh, no cigarettes. This should be going to food and rent. And Mm -hmm. we sort of enter the Ethereum, uh, network age of history in which, um, money has different preferential levels and contracts written into it. Um, which sounds horrible and dystopian. And it is how we treat people who have welfare benefits currently. Yeah. This is what yeah. a snap card in New yeah, York right. is. It allows you to buy EBT. just groceries, yeah. EBT, yeah. and not even all groceries, like a literally a specific subset of the uh, grocery market wares. Um, that's a pretty dystopian place to end up. Um I guess the way around it is in some ways to enshroud protections within the code of the digital dollar itself as they are in something like Bitcoin. Not that I think that's going to happen, but if you were to say, well, how do you do this and not end up in a dystopian hellscape? I guess it would be to anonymize the wallets and anonymize the money so that it can't be treated preferentially. I don't know what the incentive to the government to do that would be, though. (laughs) (laughs) or we could all just walk around with a bunch of one dollar (laughs) bills the other option is to bury thousands of dollars in your backyard (laughs) or gold coins (laughs) um yeah i don't i i i i do think that that look i think that the way that all this stuff happens with the government in terms of all these big bureaucratic systems is probably bad you know um, I think streamlining it all down to uh, one system that benefits everybody is probably good in theory and then will lead to, you know, replication of inequalities in in most situations, you know. Um, and uh, it's a difficult thing to think about in this moment just because, you know, like, if we can imagine a world in which like this panic isn't on us, you know, like uh, normalizing systems during this time seems like it's a bad idea. You know, sometimes I guess it's a good idea. Like for example, I just saw, did you see this? That like the, uh, that a lot of colleges are not going to take the SAT and the ACT this year for admissions because uh, they're assuming that kids are not going to be able to go take it. Um, I imagine that many of those colleges will not, will just let that one ride even after there's a vaccine and people go back to some level of normalcy. Um, but then I again, some like, people you know, were going to take the SATs online. And the minute I saw that, I was like, Oh, let the cheating begin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, like the, you know, like the United States government basically is like, you can pollute all you want you know, <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, and I don't know if that's going to go back. You know, they might just not They'll be like, yeah, what regulations were you talking about? There were no regulations. <laughs> on any of this stuff um so yeah I, I, that's the only thing that would make me hesitate about it is like trying to create systems to deal with a with a, an abnormal emergency situation that then become like totally normalized and ready to be uh abused but uh yeah that should make our libertarian listeners happy I okay i got a <laughs> quiz for you before we get yeah. out of here i was looking this up i was doing a little research into the digital dollar one of the things that I do sort of find appealing ab- about the idea of the digital dollar is it moves the dollar into the realm of Bitcoin, not where there's a fixed supply, 
But if you truly went completely to a digital dollar, like, and, and it was based on some kind of a blockchain system, you'd at least be able to see what the total supply is. It's kind of crazy that we're printing more money, but I don't think there's much transparency about how much money there already is and what we're doing <laughs> to the overall supply. I'm sure that there's a bunch of angry uh, people who are like, oh, you can look that up. But I think most Americans, if you're like, hey, you have $100,000, that that's your net worth. How much is the total supply that's out of? They're like, I have no idea. I've never thought about it. I have no it. idea. So that actually, was going to be my quiz. Yeah. How much money is in there? Is there? Uh, how many dollars are there? I have no idea. Like I couldn't even begin to. I couldn't even begin to. Um, the yeah. total supply of dollars. I looked this up, and it was a twenty thirteen figure. So it's more in twenty thirteen. The total supply was. Ten point seven trillion dollars, and they just printed which, two more, right? Like yeah, which puts into perspective what a big deal it is to print two million more. Two uh, trillion, it, two trillion more. Like uh, that's a fifth, a sixth, a seventh of the total supply being printed. That's a lot of money. Uh, oh total supply of circulating physical bills. Mm, does that include the ones that are like offshore? I yes, it's basically like the the treasury knows how many bills it has issued that I are don't know. currently. I, I, would, I imagine it's like ten percent of that. You're, you're dead exactly right. It's about one. I think one point three trillion bills okay. out there. To me, that seems high. It seems high to me that ten percent of the overall wealth in America is represented in cold hard physical cash. Yeah, it seems a little bit excessive to me too. Like, why do you need a trillion dollars of, of paper <laughs> out there? Okay, so now oh. that we know that the ten point seven trillion uh, is the twenty thirteen um, total amount of dollars, uh, at the same time, what would you think the total amount of money in the world is? Mm, I don't know, six hundred trillion dollars, something like that. Forty-two trillion dollars. Forty-two trillion. In 2013. Oh, wow. I might be totally wrong about this. These were looked yeah. up at different sources. It doesn't sound totally wrong, though. R remember, this isn't money held by Americans that's $10.7 trillion. It's money held in dollars. And yeah. dollars are the the medium of exchange. So a lot of people, like almost every country in the world is holding dollars, right? Yeah. Um, but to put in perspective what it means to print two trillion dollars when all the money in the world is 42 trillion dollars like we think of our american dollars and inflation with regard to that but that's enough money being pumped in that everyone in the world should be thinking about how much money is being added to the world money supply oh yeah yeah i mean that's why you know there's all these treasury crises that i don't understand i won't even bother to introduce that's why i'm that. buying bitcoin <laughs> are you are you <laughs> I did a little buying below five thousand. I won't. I won't lie. Oh man, yeah. I think I'm. Uh, I, I don't know. I, mean, I I said a lot about, um, you know, degenerate day trading, but I haven't really done much of it. I just kind of am too paralyzed. I think right now um, to make any financial decisions. Uh, when I say really I've been cool. buying Bitcoin, I mean that I bought like twenty dollars of Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the bottom. I might do but that. I could do it that. felt good. I'm bu I'm buying like um like uh 
fancy scratcher, like premium scratcher amounts of Bitcoin. Uh, I will when, say that I feel like it. The you know we're now it, we still don't have a Bitcoin alternative, huh? Like there's no like fancy thing that's taken over and that people think no. is you know like there, there's ethereum i guess it's gonna be that but ethereum i don't think i mean ethereum's actually been pumping i mean ethereum uh gained more than bitcoin this week um but no no i just of, mean in terms of like market dominance and like oh, no, you know no, like no. like belief that this thing is gonna work like bitcoin is like i don't know at some point we're going to reach this. I guess we've already reached it, right? Where it's just going to be, and this is something we used to talk about, and to your credit, you used to always point out as being probable, which I think you're totally right on, which is that um, it's kind of like a winner take all type thing. And there's no reason to think Bitcoin won't be the winner, you know, and it seems like that is emerged. I wonder if they're ever going to, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if there's ever going to be a, you know, like a, uh, something that comes around and replaces it, but you know, something in the ways that you were talking about in terms of wide scale adoption and international things. I guess Libra was the closest thing that we even thought might get there, but obviously that's been destroyed. And I don't know. It's, there's uh, actually, I'm, I'll save it for next week, but there's been some, some funny Libra news recently. They've had to, <laughs> really, they've had to <laughs> abandon some of their like core fundamental propositions in a way that's both predictable and hilarious i will save that for next week though jay this has been great i've been uh i've been having fun doing these you are you enjoying yeah yourself? yeah no i'm i'm enjoying them i'm like you know we're doing even, them mostly for our listeners and uh for i didn't even to get to, to some of my questions happy. here like i had a uh, half more questions i i have a I have questions about which which international cultures do prepping uh, oh, let's yeah, talk yeah, about that no. next week. I was, <laughs> we I was wondering if... and next week I'll I'll skip my forty minute lecture on remdesivir. <laughs> <laughs> next week I'll be naming another random pharmaceutical company, and Jay will go through their entire clinical history. <laughs> All right, good talking to you. Later. That was Coin Talk. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who supported the show. Uh, I don't even think the email works anymore. So you can find us on Twitter at Coin Talk Show. We're here every week.